This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We're going to have a lot of fun on today's show, and then in our second segment, we're going to speak with author Mark Stein. He of How the States Got Their Shapes. He's written a sequel titled The People Behind the Borderlines. You probably have seen this program on the History Channel. It's pretty darn good. And the book got a lot of attention. And we certainly did like the sequel, which we will talk to him about in segment two. We'll also hope to talk with Ed Martin, one of our uh, fellow DJs here at KDVS. Plus, Will Durst is back from vacation, so we'll be hearing from uh, America's foremost political comic before we're done as well. Let us start today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History. The date in question today is the 1st of September. It was on September 1st in 1195 that Pope Adrian IV, the only Englishman ever to attain the papacy, died in Italy. A few years later on this date, in fact, September 1st, 1181, Pope Lucius III began a four-year reign, during which the former Cistercian monk founds the medieval Inquisition. Its mission? To condemn heretics and turn them over to civil authorities for burning. Why burning, you ask? Well, the Inquisition was not allowed to actually shed anyone's blood. I mean, that would be so unchristian, wouldn't you say? Also dying on this date, in this case in 1715, was the French King Louis XIV, the Sun King, who ruled during one of France's most brilliant periods. And I can't resist interjecting our favorite quote from Louis XIV. Apparently someone mentioned the term, the state, to which Louis replied, The state? That's me! Although he said it slightly differently, being that it was in French and stuff. On the other side of the English Channel, on September 1st in 1865, the English physician Joseph Lister performed the first antiseptic surgery. Yes, sad to note, it took until 1865 for doctors to realize that if you're going to cut people open... Be a good idea to sterilize things. One of the more poignant things that took place in this date, September 1st, 1914, less than a century ago, the last known passenger pigeon died at the Cincinnati Zoo. The estimates by James Audubon and a few others, only perhaps a century or two earlier, had reckoned that the passenger pigeon may well have been the most plentiful bird on the face of the earth. But what with habitat destruction of the eastern forests and killing them as if there was no tomorrow, well, tomorrow finally came. And perhaps in the most momentous event to take place on this date in 1939, World War II began as Germany invaded Poland. We in America sometimes think of World War II as beginning with the attack on Pearl Harbor. No. By the time Japanese bombers start sinking American ships in Hawaii, World War II was two years and four months on. And lastly, on September 1st in 1969, Libyan army captain Muammar Gaddafi, then aged 27, led a bloodless coup against King Idris. He abolished the monarchy and began building his anti-Western dictatorship, which appears now to be coming to an end. I have to interject a comment about uh, the Sacramento Bee's August 24th headline, noting that... uh, The Libyan dictator was calling his retreat tactical as fighters were tightening their grip on Tripoli. When I was a kid, I was given an old Civil War newspaper, which reported on the fall of Richmond. 
I always was struck by the fact that <laughs> spokesman for the Confederates said that this was a blessing in disguise, as it now allowed Lee's troops to move about from point to point and not have to worry about defending Richmond. So I have to say that, you know, evacuating your own capital eh, probably isn't going to turn out to be a blessing in disguise for Muammar. Our right, quote of the day comes from Don Marquis, who said, If you make people think they're thinking, they'll love you. But if you really make them think, they'll hate you. Attention, Fox News. And somewhat in keeping with that is our quip of the day from Euripides, who once said, Talk sense to a fool, and he calls you foolish. Our jokes of the day come from Craig Ferguson who said, first off, the name of Katie Couric's new talk show has been announced. To make sure it has great ratings, they're calling it Oprah. To which Mr. Ferguson added, Dick Cheney says that when people in Washington read his new book, heads will be exploding. When Dick Cheney says heads will be exploding, he means it. Our stat of the day, and I have to confess, I love this one. According to the Gallup organization, 25% of Americans say they have less respect for a person... Who smokes? All right, as some follow up, I want to thank Millicent for sending us or alerting us to that excellent photo of, uh, of a Perseid meteor crashing into the Earth as seen from above. The photo was taken by NASA astronaut Ron Gargan throughout the window of the International Space Station looking down at a shooting star. Pretty cool. Thanks, Millie. I want to thank our previous guest and probably future guest, Matt Perry, for alerting us to the fact that uh, there's someone we probably should interview out there regarding the great PR battle going on over health care. No, I can't explain why the Sacramento Bee published an editorial about a, a guy who was, uh, was recently complaining about health care costs, even though it was admitted that he was hired by forces to, I guess, put out such data. We're going to take a look at that in the weeks to come. Talking to one of our correspondents, Gordon, the other night, and he made mention of the fact that Obama really didn't do a very good job of selling you know, his efforts at health care reform, to which I said, well, you know, once opponents got the idea out there that if Obamacare passes, people are going to have to wear their underwear outside their pants, well, they get concerned. Gordon <laughs> said he hadn't heard that one. I said, well, that's because the BR people hadn't probably got to it yet. But give them time. Give them time. And then some further correspondence that really, I have to say, really does warm my heart a bit. Uh, we were informed by our Los Angeles associate, Bruce Bronstein, that uh, Mr. Norman Lloyd, the guest we uh, have been excerpting our lengthy interview with uh, over the past summer, a legendary figure in Hollywood as an actor, a director, a, a producer, and of course, as we talked about in the program, a, a contemporary and friend of Alfred Hitchcock and Charlie Chaplin and the great Orson Welles, an associate of Bruce got a hold of him saying, uh, do you have Norman Lloyd's number? We, we want to honor him at a reunion of people that attended his high school in Brooklyn, which I guess is going to take place in L.A. So I dug through our archives, passed the phone number along, and we hope the Radio Parallax can help facilitate that happy event. We'll, we'll keep you posted on that. But without further ado, let us jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly.
It was a good week, a few weeks back, for novel political tactics with the news that the women in a small town in southern Colombia have succeeded in getting their highway paved by withholding sex from their husbands. Apparently, 300 women in Barbacoas are more than a month into a strike of crossed legs, as they're calling it, to force authorities to improve the road that connects their town to the rest of Colombia. The road is so abysmal, it takes up to 14 hours to reach the nearest hospital, which is only 60 miles away, but, but far too long to save a mother or infant with a complicated childbirth. This week, after national coverage of the strike, authorities announced the paving would begin in October. Of course, we told the story last winter of driving around in Colombia, and I, I'm here to tell you, some of those roads are marginal. And that reminds me, you're listening, we promised you we were going to put a clip on our website of, uh, of some actual driving in Colombia, and we have not yet done so. And if, you know, remind us, will you? In fact, remind us and drop us a line about anything you feel you'd want to talk to us about at info at Radio Parallax. We love to hear from you, and frequently we use the stuff on the show. So... Talk to us. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for the Bush legacy in view of the fact that President Obama has now freed states from George Bush's No Child Left Behind fiasco. Congress is trying to figure out how to revise the controversial program, and in the meantime, the Obama administration just said that it would issue waivers to states exempting them from the law's, quote, unrealistic, unquote, mandates and sanctions. What a disaster that turned out to be. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for do-it-yourself nuclear physics in the wake of a Swedish man being arrested for trying to build a nuclear reactor in his kitchen. Richard Handel, age 31, worked on the project for about six months with nuclear materials he harvested from smoke alarms and old clocks. His goal, he said, was to, quote, see if it's possible to split atoms at home. After triggering a minor explosion, he he elected to notify authorities about his nuclear work, which brought the police to his door. Handel now says after being released from custody that in the future, he will focus on the theoretical aspects of nuclear physics. On speaking of nuclear physics, this might be a good time to mention that uh, on next week's program, we're going to be speaking to the authors of a graphic novel about Richard Feynman. It's written by Jim Ottaviani, and it's pretty damn good, and we're looking forward to talking with uh, the author about it on next week's show. And I must say, in reviewing some of the things they were doing in the early days of trying to figure out how to split the atom, <laughs> I don't think it was that far off with what Richard Handel was up to. For example, at one point, Feynman and some others rigged up a, an apparatus that had just a little bit less than the critical mass needed to start a nuclear explosion, but dropped a chunk of the fissionable material through a block, a larger block of uranium, and noted that, boy, the neutrons really got going as it was passing through the block. Yikes. From the good news file, we have the fact that, that the Army Corps of Engineers has apparently decided that uh, trees actually might hold levees together better than not having them, which I think comes from the duh file. We've been puzzling over this one for some time. We referred to the article by Matt Weiser in the Sacramento Bee. In fact, we need to bring Matt back on the program. He does a lot of great reporting. It's such an important issue to have the boneheads in the Army Corps decide they're going to strip trees from California's levees. It's a terrible idea for so many reasons, but probably the most important reason is the fact that it appears it would backfire and make the levees weaker rather than stronger. 
Oh, by the way, it would also cost something like $7 billion. Well, it pretty much wipes out California's wildlife habitat in the process. We'll continue to follow that story. But doggone it, I have a pile an inch thick of things I want to talk about. We're not going to get, him, get through them today. So let's, let's hear what our good pal Mr. Wilders has to say about uh, things political. Hey guys, Wilders here with a few words about the latest Republican to throw his hat into the ring, Rick Perry. And it's no ordinary hat either. We're talking 10-gallon here. Looks like we got ourselves another governor from Texas. Yeah, <laughs> that's just what this country needs. And species-jumping hookworms. More of those, too. Perry claims he's running because God told him to. Of course, Michelle Bachman says God wants her to run for president. So either somebody is lying, God forgot to take his meds, or maybe we're talking about two entirely different deities. Begging the question, which gods hate America that much? Kali? Pele? The mighty Thor? Watching Rick Perry campaign is like deja vu all over again. He's George Bush light. And yeah, I know, that's redundant. Perry is the candidate for those of you who can never cozy up to W because of all of his intellectual elitism. Governor Rick highlighted this distinction by crowing to a group of supporters that he went to Texas A&M while Bush went to Yale, just like a Texan to brag about going to a less prestigious school. See, he's better because he's not so smart. The longest-serving governor in Texas history also gained a measure of notoriety last year by shooting a coyote while jogging. You know, if this guy carries a 380 Ruger with hollow points while jogging, you gotta wonder what he's packing on hunting trips. A howitzer? He vetoed a ban on executing mentally retarded inmates, so you could say he doesn't just favor the death penalty, he nuzzles it. Perry still maintains Texas has a deal with the federal government allowing the state to leave anytime they want. Be interesting to find out whether that option is mutual, because if he gets a nomination, the rest of the country might be looking to deploy that particular out clause. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Always a pleasure to hear from Mr. Durst, who will be making a personal appearance in Chico in October. As that time draws near, we will remind you of that fact. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Mark Stein, the author of The People Behind the Borderlines, which is the sequel to How the States Got Their Shapes. It's going to be fun. Stay tuned for that. This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. 